Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ultimate Insider, Bear Insiders Podcast. I am Mike Pulaski, former Cal Hall of Fame quarterback and radio color analyst for the Bears. Today, we are talking about the Cal-Arizona State game. A win for the Bears, 24-21. So, always great to win in the Pac-12. Wins are hard to come by. And there were some good things during this game. A, on defense, I thought the defense did a fantastic job. They held Arizona State to just over 60 yards rushing the ball on the day. That is a fantastic day of defense stopping the run. Now, Arizona State is not a fantastic rushing team, but they have Cam Scadaboo, who is a good running back. Their offensive line is a little banged up, and they are more focused on the pass for sure with Kenny Dillingham as their head coach. He's an air raid guy. But to hold a team under 100 yards rushing gives you a really good chance of winning the game. They do try to run it. Their run game was ineffective in this game for sure. And so great job by the defense stopping the run in this game versus Arizona State. The pass game, for the most part, outside of three plays, was really good. They held, I think, Arizona State had 240 yards passing minus those three plays, but they ended up with 360-plus on the day passing because they gave up three explosive plays. So that has to change. I'll be talking with Coach Wilcox coming up here shortly, and we'll talk about it. It is guys being out of position, wrong assignments, missed reads. And they happen every single game, and you're always going for a game where you have none of those. And it never happens that you get no blown assignments in a game. However, you're trying to minimize as many as possible because this, the unforced errors, the, the mistakes that you make yourself, not just not them being better than you, but making a mistake in terms of technique or assignment, that can be mitigated. That can be stopped if you are present for every play, if you are focused on the moment, if you are doing the things that you've been coached to do and only try to play to the level of your coaching and the level that you performed at in practice. If you just do those things and clean up the mistakes, then this Cal Bears team has a chance of having one loss right now. And that would look a whole lot better. And it would keep teams like Arizona State that wouldn't have a chance in a game like this last week. So cleaning up mistakes will be a huge key, will be a huge discussion for this week, as it is every week. Because here you are at the midpoint of the season, you need to stop doing those things. You need to stop making the mistakes that put you in jeopardy in a game. It's five to eight plays in a game, every single game, that changed the outcome of that game. A big one this last game was 12 men on the field for Arizona State. Coach Wilcox and his staff figured it out. They saw it. They held the referee's feet to the fire by calling timeout, making them make the call for 12 guys on the field or else they would have missed it. So good job to the coaching staff for getting that done. But making mistakes like that changed the game. That changed the game for Arizona State because a touchdown called back for them. So huge difference maker for them. They get the penalty and Cal holds them out of the end zone. So one mistake in a game can be the difference between winning and losing. Five to eight of them are generally the difference in a game. The Bears need to clean up those pass coverage issues. One was on a blitz, one was in zone. So getting the mechanics of the technique of the assignment, all those things clean where you play your assignment in the moment at your physical best is going to be key. Again, I'll talk to, with Coach about this coming up. Offensively, I thought the Bears ran the ball decently in this game. I thought Jay Knott looked good. He got the chunks he needed to get, especially on third and long. There was a couple of explosive runs in there. 
And so you're going to get that when you face the prevent defense. But I thought he ran the ball well. I thought the offensive line, especially in the gap scheme, and we're going to get in a little bit in the, in the weeds here as, an, as a play caller, as a coach, gap schemes in the run game, power, counter, trap, outside G, what they call wing G or pin and pull, are all about clearing one gap. So you are going to t double team a gap, move a guy out of a hole, and then you are going to bring pullers. So whenever you see guards pulling, whenever you see tackles pulling, that is a gap scheme run. The Bears run counter, they run power, they run the outside G. So a lot of those things in their game, they ran them pretty efficiently in this game versus Arizona State. When the guards are moving, when they're doubling at the point of attack, they're doing a nice job. Not as clean in the zone game, inside zone, outside zone. Or I should say not as much yardage, not as much value in that for them. And oftentimes the zone game is where you have a lot of your zone reads for your quarterback. It can be RPOs, and they run RPOs off the counters. They run RPOs off the powers as well. So there's an RPO on every run uh, that they can get to. But the zone scheme is where you have your zone reads for the quarterback where he can hand it off or take it himself. And with Sam Jackson, his legs are a huge asset for him on offense. And so he got a lot of the reads right. He missed a few reads, which had some real estate in them that could have made for some really good plays for the Bears, could have changed kind of the face of that game. And so the run game was decent. It could be better for sure. The offensive line could be better there for sure. But I thought it was good enough to win, obviously. The pass game, however, is an issue for the Bears, and it continues to be an issue for the Bears. Starting off at that quarterback position, Sam Jackson, we've talked about it before, needs to get to game speed. I understand that he is a young quarterback, but he has an entire college football program waiting on him to get to game speed. And his, I won't say insistence, but his inability to slow the game down right now is causing problems for him. He ended up 12 of 29 on the day passing. And a huge part of that is because he was going through his reads too quickly. He was what I call freelancing in his drops. And I'll talk to Coach Wilcox about this coming up. But not using the right steps for the right routes. There, As a quarterback, your timing in the backfield, in your play-action fake, in your drops, and everything that you do is designed to match the depth and the breaks of receivers downfield. And in the air raid, you have progression stuff where it's designed to match not just the first guy, but then throughout the progression. If you're running 95 wide cross or some kind of cross or over, your first read is to the go route on the sideline or the post route, depending on what they put him on. And then you go to the over and then you come back to the backside, either dig or a PC or something else back there that times out with your second hitch finally to the swing. And those are all timed out and predicated on the type of drop that you take. And it's the same across the board for every single read. As a quarterback, if you cut that drop short, or if you don't take the assigned drop for that play, then you are going to feel like it's not happening. The read is not there. I can't see it. It's not clean. And the reason for that is it's not supposed to be clean at that point. You are supposed to take two or three steps or four or five steps, whatever it is, in addition to whatever play action fake you have or RPO fake that you have. And so if you set your drops 
and your quarterback footwork in the backfield up to match with the routes downfield, all of a sudden, magically, things come open. Things look cleaner because that's the way it's designed to look. Depth of the route, a three-step drop with no hitch in the backfield is a 12-yard to 14-yard route downfield for the receivers. A three with a hitch can be 12 to 16, can be 16, you know, 14 to 16 in that range. A five-step drop behind it or play action plus three, a deep three, could be an 18 to 20-yard route. And so it all depends on what they're doing downfield. But this has been worked out over years and years and years and years of coaches pairing routes with drops. Sam is freelancing. He is running his drops quicker then he can match the routes downfield. As a result, it feels like things aren't open. So he's going through his reads way too quickly. And when he goes through his reads way too quickly, then nothing seems open and he takes off running. He needs to, that's when we talk about the quarterback slowing the game down. That's what he needs to do. He needs to slow it down. I've talked about it on this podcast before. When I was a redshirt freshman, I had just gotten out of the hospital and Terry Shea, quarterback coach at the time, offensive coordinator, brought me up in the press box to watch the game from the press box from the coach's perspective. And that completely changed the way I viewed the game. It put me in that frame of mind that, oh, things are happening exactly like it looks on game film. It was live action. I'm seeing them move like that, but it slowed down the game for me. As a result, I was able to then understand the pairing of drops and timing and routes and all the different concepts you're trying to create when you're creating leverage in one spot is predicated upon the timing of your drop. And so Sam Jackson needs to get his drop timing right. He also needs to stand in the pocket when it's there because there are times when there's a dish there for him and he takes off because he's too quick. So those kind of both play against each other or play with each other. If he gets his drop timing and mechanics right, he will likely stay in the pocket more often because he will be throwing balls on time more often, which means he will have more completions. Secondly, he's got to get his mechanics, his throwing mechanics right. He is trying to use this technique called a foot pop. If you ever watch Aaron Rodgers throw now, not when he was at Cal, but now you will see him step to that front foot and pop his shoulder back, his front side back. That came about because he didn't like getting hit. Aaron Rodgers can do that because he is the greater, greatest thrower of a football of all times. I coach quarterbacks privately, talk to them all the time, and I every time I see them trying that hokey mechanic, I am yelling at them, knock off the Instagram bullshit. Because that's exactly what it is. For a quarterback to try to add movement to a throw, which is already one of the toughest things in sport, all of a sport to do, throw a football under pressure in the pocket as a quarterback, but adding extra movement and extra timing elements to it that you have to get exactly right to hit a moving receiver downfield while you have guys rushing in your lap is ridiculous. You're adding difficulty to something that doesn't need any more difficulty. What quarterbacks need to do is create a proper mechanical cascade. So rear foot in the ground, all your cleats in the ground. You drive from the rear glute, transfers weight to that front foot. Front foot strikes the ground, creates ground reaction force. At that point, now your hips engage. Once your hips engage, your shoulders engage. And finally, your throwing arm engages. 
but you need to have both feet and a very strong front side. For me as a righty, it would be my left foot. Sam Jackson, same thing, left foot. It needs to be solid in the ground so I have a stable base and my targeting platform, my head, my eyes are my targeting platform, can stay locked in and level on the throw. If I now add a hop to it, my head is moving, my shoulders are moving, my rotation is different. I've created more rotational accuracy issues because now I'm not just worrying about throwing linear and release point high or low, but I'm also worrying about when in my rotation and now reverse rotation to let go of that ball too, and it gets incredibly complicated. So while this feels cool and everybody on Instagram thinks it's cool and all these young quarterback coaches who haven't really played and who don't really know it are coaching this stuff and have never had to do it under pressure because they think it's cool because it looks cool, they're doing a disservice to young quarterbacks. And it's a horrible deal. And so Sam Jackson is kind of caught up. And you see, it's not just Sam. There's quarterbacks everywhere trying to do this because they're trying to emulate Aaron Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers is not mortal when it comes to throwing the football. Patrick Mahomes is not mortal when it comes to throwing a football. If you want to emulate somebody, emulate Tom Brady. He's the greatest of all time. He never used the foot pop as part of his natural everyday throwing mechanic. Every quarterback does it when you do have pressure in front of you. It has to happen. You protect yourself. But when you don't have that pressure in front of you, you don't need to do it. And if you just throw off of a solid base with a strong front side, more often than you don't, you will be more accurate more often than you are not. Sam Jackson did it a couple times in this game. He threw the back shoulder fade to Jeremiah Hunter off of a strong front side, no foot pop, and threw a fantastic back shoulder ball. Perfect. He almost missed Jeremiah Hunter on one earlier because he was trying to foot pop and spin and actually backpedaling out as well when he didn't need to in the pocket. And so almost drifted that ball out of bounds. Jeremiah Hunter picked him up and made a great catch on it. But when he is on balance, on platform and stable, Sam Jackson is accurate. When he is on time of his drop, he gets the right reads. But when he short circuits and freelances, then it falls apart for him. So anyway, long discussion, quarterback play, it's obviously my ballywick. So that's I, I know more about that position than any position on the field because I played it, I coach it, I have studied it, I've created rules for my young quarterbacks that uh, I always tell them, I will be the rock against which your bad habits will break. And then so... One of the coaches at Cal needs to be that guy for Sam Jackson right now. His bad habits need to break um, because eventually what's going to happen, and this is, I, I like Sam. I've you know, talked to him on, my po- on the podcast here and I've, I've talked to him a couple times in passing, is that if he doesn't get this done, then people are going to start to look at him as a flyback or as a package only guy, a wildcat type quarterback. They're going to talk to him about playing wide receiver. And I don't, he doesn't want that. Obviously, he wants to play quarterback. So if he wants to play quarterback, then he should do it as efficiently as possible. And to do that, he needs to change his mechanics, fix, not change, fix his mechanics and go down to the very basics of throwing a football cleanly without adding any motion. Okay, soapbox, gone, it's over. They can help him on the offensive line. Big guys, there's a lot of RPO stuff. And so it's going to look like there's bad protection at times when it's really an RPO. Erasing that, plan passes, Offensive line can do a better job of working their technique as well. A lot of dudes going quicker than they need to in this game, trying to go above and beyond the coaching and above and beyond their reps in practice. 
They just need to do what they're assigned to do and execute at that level. Tackles are shortening the edges sometimes. There's been occasions where backs have missed reads in terms of who they are blocking. They just need to do what they've been coached to do. And this should be a constant theme, and I'm sure it is. We'll talk to coach and you'll hear it. But it needs to be a constant theme for the Bears. Do what you've been coached to do. Perform at the level at which you've practiced. Practice fast and then watch how successful you are in the games. So offensive line could play better and could help Sam out, give him more comfort in the pocket, but he needs to do that, help himself out with his drops as well. Receivers also doing the same thing. They are not getting off jam, uh, the jam, because they are being too quick. They are not being patient enough in their releases to create space, to turn a defensive back's hips. As a receiver, when you are creating a release, you are trying to get the defensive back to turn his hips, to miss a shuffle, to get leverage on him so you can now get on top or around or by him in a way that puts you, it creates separation. You'll hear me say separation a lot. You need to find separation with that DB. And in order to do that, you either need to be flat out faster and run by the guy. And there's not a lot of those dudes out there. Or you need to create movement in that DB, extra movement, false movement, to get him going the wrong way, moving his hips, turning his shoulders, and then going back against that. You do that by being patient in your release. Because right now, Washington last week, and actually Idaho did some of this as well, which shows you there's not a lot of respect on the defensive side of the ball. But Arizona State last week said, we're going to walk dudes up and we're going to play man. And press man, not just man, but press man. And when they do that and you don't beat them, they're going to keep doing that. Because if you can play single high safety in a man look with one high safety, post safety to help out, or a zero look where you are now pressed down with no help over the top, they are just saying, we don't respect you that you can beat us. And so we're going to do this, keep those dudes out and play with eight guys or nine guys in the box. And I dare you to beat us with the run because we think that you can't beat us with the pass. And so it's, it is disrespectful to those wide receivers. And until they earn the respect by beating some guys, they say you live by the sword, die by the sword, until they earn some respect by using that sword against them, then they're going to keep getting it and it's going to make it tougher on the offense. So anyway, all that said, talked to Coach Wilcox earlier. We had a good discussion about all this stuff, uh, and we're going to go to that right now. Joining me now, head coach Justin Wilcox. And coach, a better week this week, obviously, coming off of that game versus Arizona State. First off, congratulations on a win. Give me your impressions after watching film. Yeah, um, love getting the win. That's what it's all about. You know, finding a way to win, whatever it takes. Um However you can get it done, that is the goal. Um, I think the reasons we can talk about the things we did well that allowed, you know, allowed us to get the win and then the things that we obviously have to improve upon that were apparent during the game. Um, offensively, did turn the ball over and ran it uh, pretty well. You know, not as good as we could have or probably should have uh, in terms of eliminating some of those penalties, but ran it. Um, uh, defensively, we had the uh, we had some fourth down stops, a handful of fourth down stops, uh, interception to set up a score, forced a couple field goals in the red zone. Uh, that that was big, and then on special teams, the punter and the field position, you know, Lachlan Wilson 
really had a great game, and uh, that was huge. The things that weren't good, uh, offensively, the penalties, eliminating some big plays, a couple runs. Uh, we also got behind the sticks with some penalties. And then the pass game, you know, we have to be a lot better in the pass game offensively. Defense, we gave up 120 yards on three busted coverage issues. You know, we had a third down and eight. We bring a zero. We're going to get to the quarterback. Young guy busts who doesn't take the back. And then they get it all the way down. And thank God Craig Woodson ran him ran him down, and we forced a field goal right there. So that was huge. But that was a big one. We had a cloud call in the first play of the last drive they had. And, you know, we didn't play it. And uh, they have a explosive pass. And then the – the third one was just a simple quarters coverage that we run all the time that we had an issue on and another explosive pass. So three pass plays, 120 yards. And so I think what's probably frustrating is those are things that we can do. Those are controllable and we have to do them. Everybody's got to do their job, you know? Same thing on the kickoff. Like the guy aborts the return. We have a couple people there. We got we to gotta make the play there. Do your job, get the ball on the ground. And that game, the dynamics of that game change completely if we just do do those things. And they're not, we're not asking guys to do things they cannot do, but it's accountability and doing your job. That's, that's really the story of that game. And that's, it's actually kind of what I was thinking about in terms of focus today is, is not doing your job perfectly creates a cascade, right? You don't do something and then you miss a play or you get a penalty. Let's talk about an offense. We say it all the time, five to eight plays in a game. You get a penalty on offense, sets you back behind the chains, now you don't get the first down and you're out of field goal range or you're in a bad position where now you have to turn the ball back over to your team. Not only do you not get points, but you put yourself in a bad position to not even get a field goal or turn the ball back over. Or, or go forward on fourth down, right. whatever. Yeah. Exactly. And so one simple mistake, a hold, it can be bad footwork by your quarterback. It can be a missed read by a back on a block. It can be a tackle being beat off the edge, anything that – you knew how to do it, but because you either panicked in the moment or you misstepped, you did something where you didn't stay dialed into your technique, it creates a whole cascade of plays that now puts you behind the ball. Um, and, and we're in a win here, so I didn't want to go down this road immediately, but like we're on topic. Talk about you guys are, are literally like four of those plays away from having one loss this year. That, that's how close you are. And, and talk about how that affects the entire team because it's not just the one play right now it cascades out for another loss going into other games yeah i think it's uh i mean it's really the the, the mantra the simple mantra that we've all heard for so long that if you walk in the new england patriots facility it's the one sign that's up it's dyj do your job that that's it if we bring energy and focus and do your job okay we have a chance to play real good football. And then, you know, at the end of the game, if, if if your best football is good enough to win, great. If it's not, then you shake the other team's hand. They beat you. But what we can't do is make these easy things harder. And then it does. It has a, a the collateral effect of these things is significant. And so you can watch the game and whether it's the the bust on defense, how that changes. How, how about the, the, uh, the kick? So we scored a touchdown. We kick the ball off. They return it to the plus 48, three plays and score. That sequence, if we cover that kickoff and then we get a three and out, like you talk about changing the, the whole 
the dynamics of that game. And so I just think there's so many of those. And the frustration from our part comes, we know that the guys physically can do this. It's about the mental stamina, the mental intensity, the trust in their uh, technique, the trust in the defense or the offense or the special teams to do the job over and over and over. And that takes stamina, you know, mental stamina. And we're obviously not there yet. And so explaining that, showing that, and just beating it into them, that's the way, because ultimately they have to take accountability. If they know what to do and how to do it, then it's their job to get get it done. If they don't know what to do or how to do the job, that's on us. But they got to individually be in charge of managing their energy and focus. So they go in there and execute the call as it's to be executed. And if the other guy makes a great play, hey, so be it. We'll move on to the next play. But we'll make them do that as opposed to busting for 120 yards on three pass plays. Yeah, I, I laugh because as a coach myself, like I, I see this all the time. I'm with younger athletes here. But I see it all the time when you coach them to do what they're supposed to do. You feel like you've taught them what to do. They've repped it out in practice. And so you've seen them do exactly what they're supposed to do. And then the game time comes and all of a sudden a little bit of panic sets in and maybe a left tackle instead of kick sliding to the outside, he opens the gate, right? And gives a short edge. Or maybe a linebacker supposed to be in coverage on a back and he loses his thought process. And now he wants to be involved in the play at the line of scrimmage, right? Maybe a wide receiver, instead of being patient to get off the ball and setting up a move, he tries to go too quick. And now he creates an angle where the DB is in perfect coverage position. That's like, and it's just the littlest thing. And you try to coach kids all the time. And so I, I laugh and smile as a coach myself. I feel your frustration. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, the good news is there's good and bad news. The good news is that these are, they're simple in concept, but, um, for different guys, for different reasons, they're, for whatever reason, they're hard to do. And a lot of times it's managing that performance and anxiety of the game, you know, uh, whether it's the zero blitz and, you know, I got the back, he's right in front of me. I can, I, I can do that, you know, but for some reason it got, it's a lot and things move fast and they got, you know, there's tempo and you want to do well. Uh, maybe it's the backside tackle on a cutoff and, you know, we, we don't ever cut and we cut because maybe we had a bad step or we're a little anxious about the, the play. And then there's a 50 yard run called back, you know, it's, and then you got to show them. I mean, we, we watched, uh, I think almost 30 clips as a team, uh, the things that are, when we just do our job and we do it to the best of our ability, how, I mean, you probably noticed this your best games, it probably felt easy. Like you're doing your job, you're doing it to the best of your ability and you're not, it doesn't have to be, uh, doesn't, you don't have to feel like Superman. You just got to do your job. And then if we don't do that, how uh, how that affects everybody else and how that affects the game. And, you know, you kind of afterwards, you're like, oh, darn it. You know, it's like, oh, my bad. We don't, my bad is not a good answer. My so, bad does not work. Listen, if you yeah. can't use it as a brain surgeon, you can't use it in a football game. Yeah. My bad does not work as a brain surgeon. It does not work as a quarterback or a tackle either. Yeah, You are in the moment, under the gun. You have to perform, period. It's funny you laugh because my best games ever, all I was focused on was that single play and executing what I had practiced all week long, period. And, and for a lot of it, as a quarterback, you throw routes over and over and over and over. Like I may have thrown a thousand outs, right? In, in leading up to that one out. And all of a sudden, if you're not on top of it, your mechanics change when you've done it so many times because of the pressure of the game. And so 
that's unique as a coach. I feel you as a player. I feel you. I watch you guys coach it. And so I totally understand where it's coming from. Like, I feel you. I, and I'm glad that we could talk about it in a win because yeah, it makes absolutely. It and, and it's our job to, it, it's individuals, you know, it's like, okay, so for one guy is the issue anxiety and maybe he's a little too amped up for the game and it's a lot for him. Maybe a young guy, that could be the case or an inexperienced guy. If there's a veteran that makes that mistake, was it a, was he being lackadaisical? Was it bad footwork? Was it a technique issue? Like, so we have to identify what is it for the individuals that are, you know, making these mistakes and then, you know, ex uh, set, set the standard and make sure that they understand it and then hold them accountable to it. And they have to hold themselves and their teammates accountable to it. Uh, as you know, I mean, you, you, you have played and you know that when you went back to the huddle, um, if you didn't do what you're supposed to do, shoot, one of those tackles might say something to you. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of that peer accountability that needs to happen too. And I, I do think in this era, especially with guys moving teams so much and trying to figure things out, it, it's a little different dynamic, uh, than it used to be. So we got to work on, on that as well. That is true, boy. What a mind that that speak about a mindset question eventually. The inability to hold somebody accountable because you're worried about hurting feelings, A, in society, and B, about scaring somebody off because people can now transfer. It's a different world we're living in these days. Let's talk about some good. Caleb Elamzor, we keep talking about the linebacker who missed their assignment. That's the one. But outside of that play, he played a pretty good game overall. Yeah. Actually, he he wasn't the one on the long, on the long uh on the long one, just to defend him there. <laughs> involved in the pressure. It was an edge guy. Um, Caleb had a, a mistake on a deep over route um, early in the game. But Caleb, um, if he learns from his mistakes, if Caleb learns from his mistakes and he can develop the instincts at, at that position, inside linebacker position, a lot like running back, um, to be a great player, you got to have physical tools. And then you got to have some instincts. Um, and if he can develop those, he does have the physical tools. Um, not all of them, but he's got a lot of them. If he can kind of build on that, then he has a very high ceiling. Um, he's been very productive. And I was talking earlier, you know, that position in our defense has been really productive since we've been here. I mean, Pete Sermon deserves a ton of credit for that. I mean, every pairing has had a lot of tackles. And if you look at... Uh, Kanashik and Weaver and then Weaver and Dang and then Dang and I don't know who else was it with him. I mean, that position group um, has been really productive uh, throughout the time here. And it's how it gets because it, it gets coached really well. And then we've had some good players in there. So he's yeah, and, and a huge next. part. Yeah, a huge part of that, I think, this year too is the defensive line blocking the blockers right keeping guys off the linebackers one thing that you always i think people generally miss who aren't super familiar with football is when linebackers are making play it's because the big guys are blocking the blockers up front every offense is schemed to control the defensive line and get up to the backers right second level blocking and if you've got dudes who are absorbing blocks at in the pit that means your linebackers can flow and play and i think you know we we talked about it brett johnson didn't have a lot of stats but he is still affecting the game. Those big guys are affecting the game so linebackers can run and hit. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I can think of a couple of guys in particular in our conference in the last few years that made a ton of tackles, and it's because the the offensive lines couldn't get to the second level on them. And because if they do, then the guy, the, the three technique or the nose, zero nose or the shade, 
he's going to make the play in the backfield. So, um, you know, that has a lot to do with it. Uh, if you want to, you know, this is the old adage. I mean, if you want to play great defense, you're going to have to be, you have to be great up front. Like you don't have bad D lines and play really good defense. It just doesn't happen. So um, having those guys, uh, and they, we still got to do a better job of making more plays um, at that first level, you know, more tackles for loss, more plays in the backfield, but uh, we'll continue to work on that. And so, and then let's talk about the offensive side of the ball. So that's clearly a work in progress for you guys, right? We talk about essentially we could take down any position, what we were talking about earlier, but Sam Jackson as the quarterback, it becomes most glaring. A young guy whose game speed is not there yet. And you can see it on film. To me, he freelances with his footwork a little bit as the game speeds up. And that's one of the things that's one of those correctable things for a young guy if he can slow down long enough to absorb that and make it happen. Talk about his performance and and where the work is in terms of working with him to to improve that. Yeah, I think uh, you kind of hit it on the head. He's, and I think he said this, and we've talked about it. He's playing in fast forward. Like everything's happening so quickly in his mind, his body. It's like he's, uh, he's got to slow down a little bit. And that's easier said than done, especially when you haven't played that position a whole lot or played in games. Um, there comes a point in quarterbacks' development, and sometimes it's their freshman year, sophomore, junior, senior, where you'll hear the phrase, and it's true. It's like, oh, man, like the game just slowed down for me. I could see it. Uh, I'm not in a hurry. I know where I'm going with the ball. I know who I'm reading. Um, yeah, we're not quite there yet with Sam. Like he he's still got to develop that. He's got some amazing physical tools. He wants to do it. Um, we just got to keep working with him. But, uh, you know, the run game and the things he can do, you see some of that. We had two of them called back, unfortunately. But the pass game, and even in the run game, we, we still got to do a better job hitting on a higher clip of our run-run reads. And then in the pass game, just uh, where we're going with the ball and being accurate with it, setting our feet and throwing it. And because uh, he, if he sets his feet and throws the ball, he can really throw it. I mean, you guys have been out to practice. It's not like he's just a guy that plays a running back playing quarterback. That's not him. He can throw, but setting his feet, knowing where he's throwing it, throwing it on time, we still can be uh, a lot better there. Yeah. And to your point, he absolutely can do this stuff. You see it in his game, the back shoulder fade to Jeremiah Hunter. That's he set his feet and threw it. The deep over later in the game, he sat in the pocket and he set his feet and threw it. But every time he tries the foot pop or every time he thinks that there's pressure on him and you see his body moving during the throw, right? It's inefficient. And inefficiency at that position means inaccuracy. Yep. And that's the huge difference. You watch, I think the kind of the guy to watch right now, Brock Purdy, is the epitome of ruthless efficiency. He all he does is use the right footsteps, make the right reads, and deliver the right pass. Period. Nothing special. He just does what he's coached to do, and he does it at such a high clip that the Niners' offense flows. And as a quarterback, if you can just do that, you end up the whole offense flows. Yeah, I think uh, it, it goes back to what we were talking about before. Sometimes, um, you know, we we maybe think things are harder than they they are, and you know, we're tending to think about this, that, and the other thing, or and if you truly, to your point, and it's again simple in concept, but it's it's not easy. Um, but the uh, doing your job and just 
play that play that play for what it is and then go to the next one and do that again and how many times can you do that over and over and over and you know it's interesting watching the quarterbacks especially even coming out of high school because the game and in the NFL it's changed and some of those uh play styles of some of these elite quarterbacks um who throw off platform off one leg off their left foot and I've heard this uh from people Sometimes that does, uh, that's a bit of an injustice to some of these younger guys because oh. they start thinking they can throw the ball like Pat Mahomes or, you know, they can flick it like Aaron does. And, you know, I, there's just only a few of those guys out there. And I think learning how to play quarterback fundamentally and uh, play with your feet underneath you and throwing the ball as, you know, it's been taught for a long time and then graduating to some of these more creative platform throws and this, that, and the other, I think, uh, you're seeing it all the way down to high school and it's, uh, I think there's a happy medium and sometimes it goes the other direction where it's, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily do the guy uh, a lot of good early in his career. Does him zero good. I yeah. coach young well, quarterbacks all the time. I know that yeah. it's, it does him zero good. Yeah. I, and I tell guys all the time, there are certain benchmarks at which point you can start freelancing. Once you become conference player of the year, you can freelance a little bit, right? And then once you sign your NFL contract, you can freelance a little bit more. And then once you get your all pro, then you can, you know, you're going to know what works in your game and what you can change, what you don't. In all honesty, Aaron didn't do it when he was a Cal. That foot pop is a new thing. He did it because he didn't like having guys in his lap, which I get. He's played for a long time. Aaron Rodgers is the greatest thrower of the football of all times. Most dudes aren't. And yeah, they can't. Yeah, that's why it's it's almost like some of these throws that these guys make. It's like I, it's unbelievable, and they can do it, but mm, uh, nobody else can. There's only yeah. a handful. Yeah, the other one that drives me crazy is guys trying to throw their hip in front of the ball when they're throwing on the run, which is just it's ridiculous. It's Caleb Williams can make that throw. He's he's one dude who can make that right now, right? Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes. I mean, even Aaron doesn't make that throw. Pat Mahomes makes that throw. So. It, it's insane. Anyway, we can go off on a tangent on that all day long. Um, one more thing, because you're facing Oregon State this week, and, and press coverage has been a thing on offense. Receivers, we talked about it. being impatient, not getting their releases. If dudes can man you outside and play eight in the box, they're going to do it. And it changes everything you do on offense. Yeah. Um, I think I told you a couple weeks ago, You have there has to be a consequence for the defense to be playing uh, overly aggressive, either single high or zero man. If they're doing that to you on offense, the answer is we got to beat them one-on-one one -on -one and create explosive play or touchdown. You got to beat them for 60 or 70 yards. I mean, if they're going to pay, it's, I mean, if, uh, for lack of a better uh, phrase, it's like, it's disrespectful for them to just yes. line up and play you in zero thinking until you beat them. Like, but you have to beat them. Like you got to win a one-on-one, -on -one. you got to get open. We got to throw it and catch it. And then, and then they won't do it so much, but until you do it, like they're going to keep getting more and more aggressive. So that's on us as uh offense. Like if somebody's going to get that aggressive, like you got to make them pay, you know, I know cause I've been on the other side, like you want to be able to do that now if, they catch a slant or they run by you on a fade and it's like a 60 yard touchdown. Your next time you get in that situation, you might be thinking a little differently. 
Yeah, no doubt. And you can't you can't just beat them like on a back shoulder every now and then, which was a great throw, but mm-hmm. you need to beat them consistently when they come up, right? You beat them on the go route and run for six. Now it's a different animal. Now they think, ooh, that kind of hurt. I don't want to do that again. But if you catch a back shoulder throw, they're like, ooh, we were there for it. We're on it. We can keep playing this because we're yeah. we're almost in phase. Yeah, you, yeah, you gotta you gotta scare them out of it. Yeah, yeah, you really do. Whether you whether you get a free you you get a great release on a slant and run away from a guy, or you run by him in a go route. Um, yeah, the back shoulder throws are are great, and the one that we execute in the game is, I mean, that is beautiful. It's hard to defend. Yeah, but I, I know as a defensive coach, like if they do that, fifth, it's hard to do that fifteen times. Right, hard to do it ten times, hard to do it five times, but if they can run by you or beat you on a slant release. Those are a lot higher percentage throws. And so you have to be able to do that and scare, scare slash stress the defense. So they don't do it anymore. So it's gotta be a consequence for a defense playing that aggressive. If there's not, it's going to be really hard to run it and do the things intermediate or short or in the run game uh, to have success. Yeah. And it's funny that it's counterintuitive for players is that the key to doing that is patience, patience in your release. If you try to jab and then take the first angle, they're going to be on your angle on your hip. But if you are patient enough to get him moving one direction, get his hips going the wrong way, and then beat him, now you own something. And and so learning patience is how you get the deep balls. Learning patience is how you get those clean releases. So as Coach Wilcox, as you can hear, it's always great to learn in a win. And big win versus Arizona State, 24-21. Super important for the Bears. This week coming up, Oregon State. Different animal. I will have a preview of that game for you coming up later this week. Oregon State's really good. They're physical. They're tough. They're fast. They have nice schemes and they execute them at a high level. So we'll talk about them coming up this week. For now, I'm Mike Pulaski for Bear Insider. As always, go Bears. (laughs) 